Hey everyone, welcome to Homestyle Table Talk. I'm Duncan. And I'm James, and welcome to a fireside chat with a couple amateur experts. You're listening to season one of Homestyle Table Talk, where our discussion topic is art. If you're interested in more content, you can follow us on Instagram at htt.pod. Or you can go to our website at httpod.fyi to check out our blog, our story, and our merch. A special thanks to the West Coast Feed for hooking it up with our soundtrack for the podcast. Head to your nearest music streaming service to check out the rest of their tracks. A quick disclaimer. If you hear us calling the podcast Here's the Thing during Season 1 episodes, don't be alarmed. We had to change our name in the middle of the season, but we hope you enjoy our content nonetheless. So I was referencing today a video that you might remember. I, I got my I cut my finger yesterday while I was chopping carrots. And somebody was like, oh, what happened? And I was like, ouch, Charlie. <laughs> yes, I was quoting that That really hurt. That really hurt, Charlie. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like, it, it's ridiculous how videos like that can just pop up in your head and like over and over and over again throughout every season of life. And it's still hurting. It's, <laughs> this video that came out so many years ago can like stay locked and loaded. And yeah. Like, how? Like, how does something like there's so much content uploaded to YouTube every single day? Like, how does something think, that's so old? I think have it's every power? second. There is an hour of footage uploaded to YouTube. I was looking it up earlier this year because, you know, why not? Yeah. And I calculated it and you could have someone sit down and watch a day's worth of what's uploaded to YouTube and they would be 90 by the time that they That's crazy. Like, that's so long. I remember like Hello by Adele came out. Yeah. And there was all these studies like, oh, it was the most listened to song, blah, blah, blah. And... It only had like 700 million views, which is mm-hmm. a lot by any any means. Yeah. There's like 700 million views. They did the math and it would take so many years. It was like 100,000 years or something to listen to it. And it's like within the span person. of two weeks. Yeah. Within the span of two weeks, there was 100,000 years worth of plays of this one song. Well, doesn't that kind of just speak to the abundance of time? That there is in the world. I mean, you know, because people say yeah. life is short, but it's the longest thing we have. But. Oh, I haven't heard the last part of that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of, of the course, joke. It's the only it's, thing we have. It's the observation that people say life is short, but it's really the longest thing we have. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Individually. But collectively, we have so much time. Because it was, I was watching a TED talk about why work doesn't happen at work. It was a fascinating okay. video, right? And a lot of the points were super valid. I love working from home. I get it. Yeah. Well, because, and the main arguments were that, you know, every time someone, you know, stops by and they're like, knock, 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 like, hey, can I talk to you about the thing? They've yeah. totally just ruined an entire train of thought that you were having. And and then meetings. Meetings yeah. are like, he's, I think, I can't remember what he, how he phrased it, but it was basically the bane of the existence of of work right? because as soon as you call 10 people into a one hour meeting, it's not a one hour meeting. It's a 10 hour meeting, meeting. Yeah. Right. Which I was, you know, was the first time I had ever heard that and was fascinating to me. Yeah. Because you don't think of it like that. Yeah. The only time I thought about it that way was when I was having a meeting with someone. Yeah. And I realized, like, I was basically unpaid. And I was having this meeting with this person. And I was like, (laughs) they're getting paid so much more for this single hour of their life than I am. And that's so fascinating. Have you read these stories about CEOs where nowadays... CEOs are scheduling into their like the main meat of their day, like 90 minute segments where nothing is scheduled. Yeah. They don't do any work. Well, they they just think. Yeah. 
right? They think because that is where they get their ideas from. They think and they have, they have nothing have the on their schedule to like meditate Zen yeah. mode during the middle of the day because everything else is breaking up their flow and their 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 progress. Mm -hmm. And I, I read something like in a regular 40 hour work for a CEO because of all the emails that are coming in because of all the questions without scheduling that time in, they might get four and a half hours of actual work done. That's unbelievable. And like, like towards their actual job, like running a company. Yeah, no, it's crazy. That was part of the Ted talk too, was that this guy was saying you need to have at least 20 minutes uninterrupted before you start getting into a flow. Mm -hmm. It was just a, a study done and it was a 15 to 20 minutes. And if you got interrupted, you had to restart. It's like trying to go to sleep, right? Right. You don't, you don't say, oh, I got great sleep or I got a good night of sleep when every 45 minutes, someone was like jolting you awake and then being like having, Hey, I need to have a full on conversation about this other thing with you yeah. right now. Then you can go back to sleep. Right. Even though there's such a limited amount of time for us in our own like individual sphere, we as a entire community, us as a world have yes. so much time. There's seven and a half, seven, eight, whatever the number is, billion people yeah. on the earth and a billion hours is like, every day. Yeah. Except like that's so many, like it's, it's wild to think about for sure. And so we are, oh, there's not just 24 hours in a day. That's cool. That's kind of cool. That's really cool to think about that. There's not 24 hours in a day. There's way more than that. Yeah. That are spent doing all sorts of things in every single domain. Wow. Each of us individually has 24 hours times yeah. however many people are on the planet. And this podcast is going to be about 35 minutes and you, wow, maybe mom <laughs> what is that, are going right? to be listening to this. Thanks mom. And welcome. Welcome to Here's the Thing. This is episode four. Episode four. Off to a good start. Yeah, I'm really excited about it so far today. Me too. I'm feeling a little punchy, to be honest. I keep, you probably can't see me, James, because of the pop filter, but I'm kind of giggling over here. I'm kind of like smiling. Like you were talking earlier about stuff and I was like, I I'm just smiling. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like bobbing around today. I'm like very expressive with my hands. <laughs> like my hands have been above my ears for most of the last yes, conversation. Which that's is, true. Which is kind of funny. Yeah, I think it's good because... Last week was rough, but this week I had to do some jumping jacks. Got to get the, the blood flowing. I did the exact same thing this week that I did last week where I worked from home. I actually think I did almost the exact same day. I had, you like, told did me about it. It and... was identical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you fought off the moodiness with I some fought jumping off jacks? the moodiness. I didn't vacuum this week. There are oh. no vacuum lines on the carpet. Duncan's old roommate would be happy. No <laughs> vacuum lines on the carpet. No vacuum lines. It's okay. I kind of miss them. It's though. still pretty clean. I mean... Yeah, I don't see see pounds of dirt on the floor. <laughs> they're so hidden. They're, they're hidden in, beneath the twines. <laughs> twines? Yeah, I don't know. What's it called? The weft? It's a weave. There's a weave no. and a weft. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And rug rug design, which I'm <laughs> I think obviously just... an expert about. <laughs> well, and as fascinating as rug design might be, that might be a little <laughs> off topic. So, James, what's your thing this week? My thing this week comes from the fact that I got to sit at a read-through of a script that my grandmother wrote. She um, wrote it. She wrote it. She okay. is a writer. Um, she is a performer. She has acted a lot. I've been able to see her plays. I've gotten to sit in her plays. Um, she's 
my grandmother, she's about to graduate from graduate school. Wow. Um, in order to write a book. Kudos. Yeah. She so she's been like studying for a long time trying to write a book and finally finish a novel. And she's about to actually finish her second book. And she's been working on this book forever and a half. And she's so rad. And the thing that I have this week is that when you witness art by somebody that you know mm. or someone that's like your loved one okay. or even like an ancestor will bring it into the ancestorship or like the kinship of community you you connect with that and you resonate with that differently yes then it's when it's someone else yes and it's what has been beautiful about reading her works and being a part of her plays and theater and watching her even in her art develop is that I understand the backstory in the deep like family Ooh, history that comes yeah. with the production with comes with the ideas that she's presenting. Definitely. And in thinking about this this week, there is just such novelty that comes with understanding the art that comes from your family and that is my thing this week. It's it's fascinating to me. It's new and it's novel to me to think about. Mm. Um, but it's I've also realized that watching her play as someone that knows her and like she is the heritage of my family. Yeah, I have such a different context to it than I than I do anything else. It's interesting how different it is from viewing your own art on display versus viewing a family members right on it, display it's very different yeah what um for me what stands out is is that there's a story that's behind it and mm -hmm. i like i know the story about how this developed and how it shaped and i know their worldview as separate from my own mm -hmm. but when i create art i see my worldview in the art that i create yeah but it's not like detached from me it's like you know like babies first words often data rather than mama because they see their mom as the same thing as them when they're really young. Ooh, interesting. I didn't and their, know their that. their dad, they say, they say Dada because like in their experience, like mama is like always within so their, close. their yeah. range of sight mm -hmm. and, and dad is often not. So like they, it's they recognize they dad to... as something else that wow. they have to name. I never knew that. Yeah. That's adorable. And I love that. Yeah. I think it's really interesting viewing someone who's close to you versus viewing someone who is maybe not so close to you. Where you still cut you you still know for that person who's not as close that there's a lot of work and a lot of story behind that, but because you have like a slightly bigger window into your family members' art, you can see and it just I don't know there's something that happens on the inside. I was thinking about this recently, where especially about like grandparents or maybe even just like older relatives, where you realize as a kid you're like okay it's grandma and grandpa whatever, mm -hmm. but. I kind of, I don't know, it kind of dawned on me recently, like, whoa, they have lived triple or quadruple the life that I have. Right. So if I think my life is interesting in any capacity, they've had that much more time to become so much more interesting, right? And so why would I not be interested in them? Yeah. As a, as a fellow human being, mm -hmm. as a fellow maybe creator of art, and and you won't, you've only had a small window into that because not only have you only been alive for a fourth of their existence, right? But you've only visited them on holidays or on your birthday or every other week or something, you know, depending on how close you live to your, your relatives. Right. Some people it's like every few months or every few years, mm -hmm. maybe every decade they it's might true. see their, their extended family. And so there's, there's something super deep about like, this is, this is my blood. This is like, this yeah, is my people. This is my people. And it kind of goes back to this other 
concept between viewing someone that you know mm-hmm. deeper, um, maybe family, maybe maybe a f- close friend versus someone else that you don't necessarily know. And what's beautiful is that as we've as we've been talking about the concept of art is that we see art through lenses mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. not just do we have a lens into the effort that it took them but we have a lens into their worldview mm. more fully so yeah, that we yeah. can see their their artwork more closer to even how they see it that's kind of an invitation into deeper understanding that you wouldn't get from just this other artist over here that you're going and viewing their art because you you don't know them that you don't have christmas dinner with them to, to know like, oh, like they think this about other people or they think about this right. when it comes to this situation or I've seen how they, you know, deal with their spouse or deal with their whatever, complaining about this and such a thing, right? Yeah. So you, you do have that like interesting perspective into that artist's worldview, the one who's close to you right. versus the one who's not. Yeah, you do. And it's it's really fun to be able to tease out of art more and more and more. And it's fun to tease out of your family members and like close relatives and friends mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. more and more out of them by seeing what they produce and what they create. For sure. And it reminds you that as we've even talking about time today, that there's more going on in their brain during the 24 hours than just your brain. Oh, for sure. You know, like they're seeing, they have this whole kaleidoscope of things going on mm-hmm. and you get to see visually or audibly or whatnot their kaleidoscope. Better. Yeah. Have you ever worked in the same room as an artist? I, I have worked in the same room as artists doing ceramics or graphic design or, or painting or other things like that. Yeah. Writing music. Yeah. Yeah. It's just interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm an artist. And so I, working with people in the room can sometimes be really weird because you feel really vulnerable. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think this might be a longer conversation maybe for next week about just sort of vulnerability in art. But... As an artist, I feel like there are things that I do in my process of creation that I don't really want people to like see. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's kind of embarrassing. It's like, ah, I just, I don't want you to see the fact that I like have to start with a circle or a square to make this thing (laughs) or I have to use this. I don't know. It's, to me, it's kind of scary. Yeah. And so if you were sitting in the room with someone that you know and love and they're creating their art, it's just thinking about the the fact that it's not just one hour of two people working together. It's two hours in within an hour. Right. right. It's like that artist's hour and then your hour in there. And maybe, maybe even if you're helping them, I'm thinking even like right. a, someone who's constructing, maybe, maybe, maybe if you're building a chair, right? Just super weird example. But if you're building a chair with someone and they have the vision, but you're there to, to hold the tools and the nails and whatever, and you're helping it's an interesting process where they have this vision and they have all of these thought processes and you're welcomed into that, but you still don't see the fullness of it even when the chair is finished because you don't get the whole process of what's going on, even if they're talking you through it. That's true. It reminds me of Brene Brown and her conversation yeah. about the power of vulnerability yes. and the essentiality of vulnerability because you are invited into that space of working with in the same space as an artist Mm -hmm. and it's like synergy almost yeah it's synergy being created between you even though you as the helping hand in in the art creation don't see the full thing you are also adding into the interpretation adding into the fabric of art that you're creating and because that vulnerability is is being shared with you being in that space wow 
What an idea. What what if it was really powerful for me. And so I'm really glad that I got to share it with you. Yeah, thank you so much. You're very, very welcome. Duncan. Yes. What's your thing? My thing this week is nostalgia, which if you don't necessarily know the technical definition of nostalgia, I guarantee you that you felt it. I felt it. Yeah. Yes. And to just uh, to do the duties, Oxford Dictionary describes nostalgia as a sentimental longing or wistful affection for the past, typically for a period or place with happy personal associations. And the thing that most recently got me interested in the idea of nostalgia is this scene from Mad Men. Do you watch Mad Men? I have seen Mad Men. Okay. I don't currently watch Mad Men. Okay. It is in the queue. But this scene was played for me in a photography class that I was in. And it's this scene where they're in a meeting talking about how they're going to sell this product made by Kodak. Okay. And... It's this really short two-minute clip. You can look it up on YouTube. Just look up Mad Men, the carousel. And they, they turn the lights off, and it's this photo presenter that they're trying to sell. Okay. And so he uses the photo presenter in the pitch of essentially the ad campaign. Right. And so he goes through all of these photos, and he starts talking about the wheel and and the word nostalgia, which yeah. he, he defines as, you know, he says, oh, it's from the Greek and... The Greek is actually homecoming and pain. Yeah. And so in Mad Men, he describe he says like, oh, the, it's from from the Greek that this sense of a pain from an old wound. That's how he he describes it okay. in the scene. And he's going through these photos, and it's all of these like family type photos of like vacation or even just like home life, and like there's he's sitting on a couch with a woman, and they have a baby in their arms, and he's just talking about this this deep i'm getting chills just talking about it just this deep sense of of life and looking back and remembering and so he basically the way that they're going to sell this that he's selling this product to other people is he's giving them an emotional reaction to like isn't life amazing and he uses the actual product the kodak carousel to pitch it and it just it that scene just hits me yeah it is fascinating to me that even as you're talking about this, I am getting chills about like, oh, I would totally buy that product if it was selling me right? like an opportunity to enter into like memories of my family and, and all of these other things. Mm -hmm. And I, I can I can hear from your pitch to me about this pitch in this television show yeah, yeah. about the power of nostalgia in in my life and what it's calling calling in my brain that's that's wild to me yeah and so it led me to do some research about this idea of nostalgia and like because i feel like i feel it i feel nostalgia really really heavily really deeply a lot of the time and so i was kind of like huh, that's interesting like you know am i weird i mean yes but <laughs> <laughs> is but is it weird to feel deeply strong sure yeah and so i was doing research and one of the things that i found was this it was probably an op-ed or something but it it was just this article about how millennials and younger they feel nostalgia equally if not more so than those older than them and the thing that they sort of identified as the crux of that was the rate of change of technology in our own lives so where maybe in oh. within the 1900s, technology didn't change as rapidly 
as it has in the later half definitely like from the 50s to the to to, to 2000 refrigerators televisions yeah yeah, yeah, definitely a lot more change happening um but but the things that were used between you know 50 60 moving to 70 definitely 70 and 2000 there were fewer things that became obsolete yeah then between 2000, like 1990 and two, 1995 and, and 2010. Yeah, there's like, rapid changes. It, yeah. I mean, cell phones, for crying out loud. Yeah, it's craziness. The move from phones being a mobile idea versus it's that thing on the wall. Because think of the difference between a rotary phone on the wall and the, the wall phone in your grandma's house, right? functionally the same thing it's different technology but you looking at it is is not gonna like maybe die from shock right right? but you know in my own life i went from cell phones being you know blackberries and you know qwerty keyboards with buttons and you had a stylus to now freaking all of the phones that we have i mean they recognize our faces for crying out loud that's like ridiculous that's crazy and so all of that to say this feeling of nostalgia has been found to be equally powerful in millennials and younger as it is in those who are older than that. Where usually you'd think if you're older, you have more of an opportunity to say, oh, I wish things were the way that they were. Yeah, because of course, if somebody was born in the 50s at this point, like they would have such a vast amount of change that they would have experienced in their lives. Yeah. And I would think that would call nostalgia and like a call for the way of life before way more than than a 23 year old yeah well and even just thinking about i'm looking at my record player over there and thinking about like the the methods by which we consume media or art bringing it kind of into this art circle right now you and i grew up playing vhs's a lot and my mother gave my vhs's away too soon it's okay i forgive you yeah i forgive you it's okay because again things change and you can find it online That's right true. which again one of those changes so we went from in our lives in our formative years right we went from vhs's to to dvds to then blu-rays and now like streaming everything well it's it's funny as a side note i knew uh people that are bicyclists mm-hmm. and they will watch netflix on mounted on their phone oh gosh, while yes. they're cycling which is super dangerous don't try it at home <laughs> but like that's how mobile that like they're using old technology, which is a bicycle, but yeah. it's so mobile to be cycling with, with Netflix on. That's yeah. crazy. So it just, it, it hit me. I don't know. It just was super interesting to me. This idea of nostalgia where, you know, even, and I, I think it comes up a lot when we are, when, when I'm talking about movies or, or consuming art or media, where even just today I was looking at my movie collection because I'm having a friend over. We're watching a movie in, on Thursday. And I was kind of just looking through our movies and what we had. And I opened the bottom bottom two drawers, which have always been VHSs, and thinking, like, does our VHS player even work anymore? I know we have one, but it changing from being the, the primary method of consuming media to now being this, like, super obsolete, like, I don't... Yeah, you just buy it for four dollars on Amazon Prime, like whatever. Yeah, and it's it's funny, even in like a more recent sense than that. Before this, we were having a conversation about old YouTube videos and Charlie <laughs> yeah. bit me, which is a YouTube video that had to come out about eight years ago. Yeah, and we're referencing that in this moment, almost for nostalgia for when there was less YouTube videos out there. Yeah, 
there was less chaos and yeah. yeah. And I think nostalgia can manifest itself in a lot of different ways. First off being kind of this like, oh, I wish things were the way that they were. And I think a lot of that gets to relating a certain period of time in your life to a certain clip on YouTube, a certain movie that you used to watch, a certain technology you used to use, you know? That's very true. Uh, A year ago, last spring break, 2018, I came home. I was looking through my parents' cassette tape collection up in the attic just because I wanted to. I just wanted free, you know, whatever. Summer road trip mixtape four. Yeah. No, but it was, there was a lot of stuff that I knew. And I was like, whoa. Oh, that's cool. I I know a lot of these. My favorite one was Richard Marks. And the first track on that cassette tape was right right here waiting. And it's one of my favorite songs ever. I don't know. It's just, it's a beautiful song. And I put, so my car that I had recently gotten was, which is no longer with us. Sorry, Camille. May you rest in peace, Camille. Yes. My car, Camille, didn't have a CD player. It only had a cassette player. And so I was like, oh, great. I found all these cassettes. I'm going to use them. I found Richard Marks right here waiting. And I was like, great. I get to listen to one of my favorite songs the way that it was kind of originally made to be heard. At least that was, it was an original from 1989. That's when the album came out. So I put the cassette in my car and started listening to it. And I just got this, got these chills. It was kind of this, you know, mixture of it was the song, plus I was in this new car, so I kind of felt like an adult, but also I was listening to a song from 1989, which is like, I love the 80s, and it had all this. It was weird, because I, I can't have nostalgia for something that I never experienced. Right. And yet... But you can. I was participating in the culture and the technology and the art of a time that I really appreciate. I love the 80s. If you know me at all, you know that I love the 80s. So putting a Richard Marks cassette in my car and listening to it as a young adult was like, ah, I don't know. It was just was special. That's very special. It's so fascinating that I can project myself into this nostalgic moment portrayed in a 50s era television show that you were talking about, Mad Men. Yes. And you can project yourself into the nostalgia of late 1980s. Yes. With a cassette player mm-hmm. and like getting into the moment and into the groove. And and I can pr- project myself simultaneously in nostalgia for when things were quote unquote better, when life was yeah. quote unquote like great, when Charlie Bit Me came out. Sure. And like there's all of these things. It's like we can insert ourselves Maybe it's because of all of the media that we have, mm-hmm. because we have media of and movies of what it looked like to be in the 1980s. We can experience that coming of age story of yeah. getting our own first car and listening to cassettes and there's wind blowing through <laughs> our, our hair, sure. <laughs> very nicely moosed hair. And it's just like, it's so funny though, that we can insert ourselves into historical moments mm-hmm having not even experienced them, mm-hmm. but understand them and understand the culture behind them so much that we can be nostalgic for it. Yeah. And it's so funny because, you know, it's this nostalgia being this like, oh, like pain in the past and all this stuff. It almost is kind of striking me right now. It's almost a recognition that like life sucks more now. Like the amount of time and the amount of experiences and all that stuff. It's like, I wish I could just be back you know, and a lot of it is like, I wish I could be back as a kid. I don't have a responsibilities. Sure. I've got school, but like, I can come home. I do my homework. Like life isn't heavy. Life is playing outside in the backyard. Yeah. Like life yeah. isn't heavy yet. And the more you live, the heavier life gets. I mean, here I am as a 22 year old, like 
oh, life's so heavy. Yeah. But like, I, I just know that it's going to continue. Sure. And it, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I, There's sometimes no words to describe that feeling. Because, you know, a lot of it, it, it comes out as like, oh, I wish that it was like, oh, remember the good old days. And it kind of, it kind of was the good old days when, you know, when, when life was less heavy, when, when, sure. when life meant and be, living to the fullest meant coming home and, and just relaxing and putting on a VHS and right. It's like that it's a reminder that things used to be a certain way and now they're not that anymore. And I think, I think in some sense, we're all generally unsettled with our own life. I mean, cause why are we, why are we moving forward anyways? Right. We're moving towards something new, but something that we already had feels more accessible. Right. It's, it's, that was exactly the thing I was thinking as you were just talking. It's that we are, we might need to question the amount that we want progress and progression forward hmm. because if we take an honest account of what, how things were is that they were totally fine. Like yeah. they're totally fine. They were good. They might even be quote unquote our golden years or <laughs> the great generation or, or these other words that we use that describe the past. Yeah. And, and we, we are moving forward. And I think like obviously progress and the ability to like have better healthcare and all mm -hmm. like there's yeah, yeah. A, a multitude of things that are, are, are in fact better than years ago, but we also need to be critical of just adopting new things in and adopting new ways of absorbing culture and absorbing life because, because we do have nostalgia for them. And I think that nostalgia does pull us back to more grounding. Mm. It does pull us back to things that we actually do enjoy and actually do enjoy just a slow game of golf, you know, like sure. as American culture, like baseball is a slow game, but maybe yeah. there like might be something to that. Yeah. That like, we don't need to have this thing be fast or speed up or whatnot in order to keep up with our shortening attention spans. Yeah. You know, it's like maybe there's something that's good. Keep about it slow. Yeah, keep it yeah. slow. And, and that is where I feel like I can get homesick about a thing that I didn't even experience. Mm -hmm. It's, there's this ideal that it was like, there was this time that was slower and people that have been living so much longer than us don't actually experience as much nostalgia as we do mm. and we are like living in like all this fast time and we don't have time to stop and to breathe and to think about how our art and our media and our culture is changing so much. Yeah. And I think that you totally nailed it with the speed thing. I think that at one level to boil down to that, you know, people have always cared about what other people think about them, but it being so accessible through all of our social media and all of that and like having this instant like oh like what do people think of me in 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 the five minutes since i posted that thing right. only four people have liked it like ah ah you know it's the just, algorithm it's so much more accessible these statistics about what people think about hmm. you so like sure maybe they've always thought that about you and given or not given this app they would still think the exact same way but now you just have access to it and so this rate of return is so much faster and probably to our detriment Right, because again, Probably. people have always cared about what people think about them. People have always thought things about other people. Yeah. But it being so accessible to us has kind of created this sickness. And if you kind of draw back to, oh, I want things to be the way that they were, it's, I don't know, one of that, I think a huge element of that is like, I didn't have to care about these other things. And now I, ha I feel like I have to care about these things because everyone is participating in it. And I think that the reason it pops up in nostalgia rather than like, riots or rather than like 
our like movements that we're mm-hmm. having mm-hmm. is because we feel it slipping away Oof. and it's like slipping away and we might not be able to get it back. And so like fighting for it might not be able to get it back. Wow. So it's like these golden years that are fading. It's like the sepia tones that are like <laughs> sure. going away almost. Yeah. And that beds itself in nostalgia for a homesickness of maybe something we haven't experienced mm-hmm. because we think that this thing has like faded and gone away mm-hmm. where in reality, it seems that in our own personal choices, we can take that slowness back Yes, and we can take that we can consume less content. We can consume less media. I could consume less podcasts (laughs) and I would like probably remember what they say more, you know, like there's those types of things that I have active control over Mm -hmm. that might stave off that nostalgia or stave off that, that sickness of, of, of home. Yeah. Well, and I think that at the end of the day, it's because you know, what's right. You know, what is better for you. And so you have this feeling that comes up where you're like, oh, I wish it was slower. I wish it was all this stuff. I wish I could reclaim that. And just like you just said, you totally can. You have the power to do that. And I think that that's why it comes up so much is it's kind of this, not even just a cultural conscience, but even just a personal conscience, this inner motivation to, look, you know what the best thing to do is. You know that that slowing down and and returning to things that are simpler simpler is almost always the right answer you can be complex but still be simple it's when you get complicated that mm. you that you mess start messing things yeah. up because if it gets complicated then there's it's hard to understand right complex there is a way to understand it interesting i've never heard that distinction i like it and then simple i mean why 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 make it more complex or more complicated than it needs to be. That's wild and it's true. And I've heard that about design so many times, but I think that you've just nailed it and even how to apply that design principle to us. It's that we could choose to make it complex. And when we choose to make it more and more complex, we often regret that choice and we we could continue to choose simplicity. Mm-hmm. I love that when we get to the end of the episode, or when we get to this feeling of like, ah, oh, we're concluding our conversation, our tone shifts, we get more calm and we're like, ah, I'm not like bursting with this idea now. It's like, ah, oh, it's been resolved. Yeah. Thank you for resolving my idea earlier today. Oh yeah. No, thank you for bringing it up. It was beautiful. I also thought that your idea of nostalgia was, was beautiful and I haven't thought about it in a structured way at all. It's just been a pang that I felt mm-hmm. and I've dealt with it in the past. So thank you. Well, I'd love to keep talking with you outside of the podcast about it. Absolutely. <laughs> and I also want to hear from our listeners. Um, comment on anything, any of our social medias. We do have Twitter now. And and please tell us something that you are actually have been nostalgic about. Or comment a piece of art that a family member has has created. Um, we want to be involved in in understanding what, um, how you're interacting with art and how you're interacting with culture, and we would love to be a part of that. That was great. I loved it. I really did enjoy it. I love I love that. <laughs>